Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is sponsored by Freedom Mortgage, dedicated to veterans and your homeownership needs. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash CBS Vets, NMLS 2767, Equal Housing Lender. Based on the increased intensity and the forecast track, a hurricane warning has been issued for the Texas coast. Sustained winds that we had, say more like 120 at one point for a good solid hour. Big 60-foot eucalyptus tree fall over that definitely hurt that come down. It's a whole lot worse. Whole houses have just been ripped from the foundation. Uh, cars flipped over. That's really scary for kids. You weren't the only one that rode this thing out. Next door to the left of me was stayed with him and his wife. What's the reasoning behind that? Imagine if you'd have went to Houston to ride the storm out. Welcome back to another episode of Vet Story. I'm your host, Phil Briggs, and today we'll talk about Texas and Hurricane Harvey. Whether you're watching it on the news or on your Facebook feed, you can't get away from the devastation that Harvey's caused South Texas. And your heart breaks for him. The videos we see of two-story homes halfway submerged. What were once streets are now rivers, with boats passing over top of street signs and stop signs. To put it into perspective, I read somewhere that imagine the entire state of Delaware, with more people than Manhattan, was underwater. That's Houston right now. And whether it's Houston or the coastal towns like Corpus Christi and Rockport, Texas, when you see those pictures, you can't help but feel connected to them. And then I saw on my Facebook page, I was actually connected to somebody down there. My buddy from the Navy, Rodney Whedon, has lived in Corpus Christi, Texas since we got out of the service. So when I saw the hurricane had passed, I had to reach out to him. One, to find out if he's okay. And two, to see why he chose to stay put and ride out a storm like Hurricane Harvey, living in the bullseye of Corpus Christi, Texas. Yeah. Rodney, what's going on, man? Good to have you on the line. And uh, before we get started, I just want to say that I shared your Facebook post, uh, the picture of the South Texas good old boys holding their rifles, sitting around a sign that said, Drunks with guns, you loot, we shoot. Well, that's most of us down here, dude. No, you get out in the countryside, they ain't going to let you mess with their stuff. Right on, man. Well, while that's the lighter side of what we're talking about, um, run me through what this thing was like to live through. This was the strongest one I've been through. You know, we uh, managed to just escape Felix back in the 90s when we were in the Navy. Right. But I'm not sure on the peak wind gusts um, or the peak sustained winds that we had, uh, but it was... I, I, I'm saying, I know it was better than 110. I'm saying more like 120 at one point for a good solid hour. And, and Gus had to be 130, 135 or so. And it, it's pretty, 
yeah, when your house is shaking and trees are coming down, it, it's it's a little nerve wracking. Now, where were you in the house, if I can ask? Because I, I um, think to those of us that live city life, you know, we look at this and we say, okay, they hunkered down. But you guys don't have basements when you're on the Corpus no, Christi Bay. I mean, you're no, we no basements in South Texas whatsoever. Uh, so we were just in the, as I would say, on the leeward side of the house in a bedroom. So in other words, on the downwind side of the house, so that if anything happened, the wall came over or something, that'd be on the up the windward side, so we wouldn't have to deal with that. And then we could always go out the window and get out or whatever need be. But um, yeah, we were just staying in. It was a brick house, so we just stayed in that front bedroom with the wind blowing away from us from that that window, so we didn't have to worry about it. As it progressed, could you hear like windows breaking, or did you suffer that kind of damage at your house, or? No, no, not the house. Um, you could hear stuff hitting the house, you know, debris and stuff, and you definitely heard branches falling. And you know, I had that big sixty-foot eucalyptus tree fall over. That definitely heard that come down. Um, and then, other than that, it's just mostly wind. You really couldn't hear much other than that, unless something actually hit the house or hit the neighbor's house. Yeah, and what's the old phrase? It's not that the wind is blowing. It's what the wind is blowing that'll do some yeah. damage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, you start getting, I, I'll just say 110. I don't want to over-exaggerate. Let's just say it was 110. That's pretty loud. When it's sustained like that for, I mean, we were good six, eight hours like that because uh, that storm moved so slow. It, it just, I mean, it just the whole house was shaking and it was loud and, you know, no power. And you just, I mean, just nothing but rain and wind sideways. Couldn't even go outside and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> God bless. Um, let me ask, because I think when we see this on the news, we assume these coastal towns become ghost towns and that everyone just up and leaves. But no. you weren't the only one that rode this thing out. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the north side of Corpus Christi Bay. So if you went right across the bridge to Corpus, they were actually less damaged. Uh, and then if you go 10 miles north of us, it got even worse. So I, the uh, my neighborhood, I know my neighbor next door to the left of me was stayed with him and his wife, and then he had grandkids and stuff that stayed, and they have a two story brick house, and then the people across the street and over one stayed, the people on the right side of me stayed, so there was a bunch of people around, you know, and, and well, you know, we all got outside and helped or made sure everybody was okay when trees were coming down, stuff like stuck our heads out the door and. Hey, we're good. <laughs> What's the reasoning behind that? Because I know you think like when you're in a coastal town or you see like, you know, bad weather coming, um, the first thoughts are the elderly, you know, you should try to take care of them and get them out of there. Yeah. The people I live with, they're elderly and have, uh, uh the, the old man's got heart problems and you know, the, the wife's just old and she has to take care of him as well. I sent them to Austin cause they have a daughter up in Austin. I said, you guys need to get out of here. We're not going to have power. We're probably going to have no water, or at least water boil at a minimum. You know, you're not going to be able to go to the hospitals or anything like that if anything were to go wrong in the middle of the night, plus the stress of it all for them. So, they, yeah, it's absolutely necessary to get them out of there. And a lot of people sent wives away with their kids to get the kids out of the situation because that's, that's really scary for kids. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times friends of mine, you know, even had their kids and their wives stay. You know, the wife didn't want to leave or something along those lines where it just, yeah, everybody stayed and find a interior room just like they tell you when you're in grade school from Way back, you know, you got a hurricane or a tornado or a high wind situation, go to the interior room to stay safe and snatch you up a bunch of blankets, pillows, and some water and just sit there and 
try to enjoy it as best you can. <laughs> um, what's the rationale for the guys that do stay behind? Why is it that uh, you wanted to be well, there? So you could be one of the first people to help repair or so you could be on the ground and assess damage and help do damage control? You know, the the whole thing is, is there's still work because you got to go to work at some point. You got to stay there, get the house cleaned up, make sure your belongings are okay to uh, check on neighbors that stayed. And by the time you leave, go to San Antonio, Austin, or even Houston. Imagine if you'd have went to Houston to ride the storm out. You know, look at the position you're in now. We actually have a guy from work that's up there in Houston that went up there to help his dad out and to get away from the high winds. And now he's stuck in Houston and probably has his dad's house is flooded and everything else. So now he's in a worse situation than what he was to begin with. I don't want to say it's better to stay, especially if you're on the island, you know, over at Padre, North Padre Island, Port Aransas you know, Rockport right on the water, Flower Bluff, which is on the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get an eight, 10 foot uh, storm surge and you're pretty silly to have stayed. But Portland, where I live at and lots of Corpus, we're actually kind of up on a bluff and that puts us high enough where we don't have to worry about the uh, storm surge. So it's just the wind and rain mostly that we have to worry about. Generally, most people stay behind just to protect their belongings and and they have full understanding. Nobody went into it thinking they were going to have electricity. Nobody's complaining. And, you know, it, it, they just understand. I'm going to stay here, take care of my stuff, and, you know, get my family back whenever I get power restored and things fixed up enough for them to come back and live comfortably. Amen. And you're talking about a very Texan kind of attitude there, which we're going to get to in just a second because nobody said it mm-hmm. better than you did the other night when I talked to you. Uh, but real yeah. quick, what's the aftermath? What's it look like on the ground there where you are now? Where I'm at now, I'm out in Robstown, which is this west side of Corpus Christi. That's where my job's at. And I've, there's trees down here around, but, you know, they're they're just small, brushy mesquite trees. They're not big trees. But you go up, like I said, where I'm at in Portland, there's trees everywhere. I mean, you know, and I mean, everybody's out cutting trees, pack, you know, piling branches. There's a few roofs that came off. A couple of the metal buildings got destroyed. Uh, but if you head on up into Ingleside and Ranzas Pass, Rockport, Port Ranzas, it's a whole lot worse. Whole houses have just been ripped from the foundation. Uh, cars flipped over. Uh, flood damage from the storm surge because they did get the ten foot storm surge up there, and they're pretty they're low lying, so that actually goes in quite a ways up there. I'm sure you've heard of Port Aransas, right? Most people have. Indeed, and certainly if you hadn't before from watching the news over the last couple of days, a lot more people are familiar with it. But those are the coastal towns that are literally facing the Gulf, and the only between the only thing between them and the ocean really is that one little strip of island that is South Padre Island or on the north end it's I forget what yeah, it's called and the up people, there. But there's a, you know, the people in coastal North Carolina can tell you the same thing. The only thing that saves them is that, you know, the Outer Banks Islands. Exactly. You know, and if it gets over the Outer Banks Island and it continues to rise, well, then they'll tell you, too, that island only does so much. Certainly when you get a haymaker, you know, like Harvey or any of these big hurricanes that are Cat 3 and above, I mean, yeah, they're putting out a yeah. lot of water and they'll just wash right over one of those little islands. But uh, it, oh, it, absolutely. It, it'll slow it down maybe just enough to help make it uh, a little less deadly for those yeah. left behind. Um, what I really yeah. liked when I chatted with you the other night is that you're still alive and kicking and you're doing great things, but you talked to me about a very a very Texas attitude about things. And what I first thought was, you guys are crazy to be riding this out. Just tell me about what you see with respect to that Texas attitude and what everyone's doing down there, kind of a sense of togetherness. You just get outside and start dragging branches and helping your neighbor out you know uh you got food or you got a generator you you try to 
let them put food in your fridge. You know, you you share food, you share water, you, you do the things that are necessary so everybody survives as comfortably as possible. It's not a matter of whether you like the person or not. It's just a matter of doing the right thing. I mean, guys just walking around the neighborhood with chainsaws, you said. Yeah. Yeah, a guy just walking around, you know, and I'm out there with a, an inverter on a diesel truck running a pole saw trying to cut a tree down. And he just, hey, you need some help, you know, and he's got eight freaking mesquite trees in his front yard that he just got done chopping. But here he comes. He's going to keep right on working. You know, hey, you need help with that? I got, you know, gas pirate chainsaw. I was like, well, dude, you don't have to, but I got a beer in the cooler if you want one. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So out of all of this destruction, as people start to surface again, it's really a kind of cathartic situation people dealing with this together and almost speaks to why people do stay behind because they're wanting to help people almost instantly yeah i mean you know to be honest with you phil for eight hours of the storm it was absolutely horrible i mean just you couldn't go outside you couldn't do anything you just had to sit there and deal with whatever you heard crashing around and banging and everything else it sucked but as soon as it's over it's almost kind of fun to get outside and all that. I mean, even though everything's destroyed, stuff flipped over, I mean, everything else. But you get out there with your neighbors, and it's just, man, I'm so tired right now, dude. I can't even keep my eyes open. I'm here trying to work on cranes. I can't stay awake right now. Because it's just for the last four or five days, I've just been on the go helping everybody, everybody coming to help me. Just constant, you know. And as long as everybody's got a beer and everybody's, you know, yeah, you know, dragging little branches. We got kids helping drag branches and everything else. It's just kind of a neat thing to see. It really is. It's kind of refreshing. Now, while I thought my buddy Rodney might have been a little bit crazy to stay behind, the more he spoke, the more it started to make sense. And the story of his neighbor's son was sort of inspiring. Now, like I told you yesterday when we were talking, twenty-five-year-old kid. You know, he's got a house. He's got stuff tore up. He's a young kid making. You know, he's making decent wages for somebody his age but by no means is he a professional but what's he doing today he's dragging his boat up to houston to go rescue people in houston Mm. you know i mean that says a lot about a 25 year old kid and there's a lot of people like that we got a lot of people from louisiana that kind of have the same mentality they're coming over from louisiana because so many people from texas went over and helped after katrina you know it's not up to just the police and the government to do this it's up to it's up to us as a neighborhood as a community and that's absolutely the way it should be anytime, anywhere. We're part of what makes them, you know, the whole, the whole of America great. But when you see these neighborhoods that just don't behave that way, me, 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 breaking in stores after a hurricane to get a TV. I mean, come on, for real? Right on, man. Leave me with one little picture that you painted for me the other night. What did you tell me people were doing in their driveways after this storm? Yeah, we're... I was driving around and people standing out front, no electricity, trees down, windows broken, stuff like that. You know, they're working and somebody's over there. There's always one person on a grill got mesquite wood burning. They're burning meat and, you know, cooking cans of beans and whatever outside, feeding the, you know, feeding the neighbors, feeding themselves, whatever's necessary. It's, it does really smell good, especially when you get a brisket cooking. You know? <laughs> Not even Hurricane Harvey's going to keep Texans from their barbecue. I love it. No. No, not at all. And maybe that's what we should take away from this disaster. That when life throws at you the very worst, it's best when you come together, just like you do at a barbecue. I'm Phil Briggs, and we'll talk to you again about another vet story on ConnectingVets.com. We 
really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 